Hello and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Bree. And today we are so happy to have joining us author Allie Williams. Uh, Allie, tell us how 2023 has started off for you. It's been good, actually. I've had a really lovely time uh, spending lots of time with friends and family. Uh, I have managed to get myself a new girlfriend and a new boyfriend. I'm polyamorous. Uh, So I am living my best life right now. Love Uh, that for you. Love it. Lots of going out for dinners and playing board games. Turns out that, yeah, queer polyamorous people are all obsessed with board games. So that's (laughs) those those are the wild days that I (laughs) have. You always have enough people for a board game when you're polyamorous, right? right? Exactly. (laughs) I mean, so what board games are we obsessed with at the moment? Oh, I really like um, Everdell and Living Forest. I'm really interested in games that are um, where you, you're trying to win, but you're not uh, directly attacking people. I quite like those. Um, I also have a real soft spot for something called Unstable Unicorns, which is a card game, uh, but it's got lots of adorable pictures of unicorns on it. And I'm always a fan of that. Yeah, so that's pretty much been my 2023 20, and uh, writing and editing. And reading. I bought myself two new bookcases and I regret nothing. Well, let's get into some icebreakers. Allie, can you tell us three songs on the mixtape to your life and what they say about you? Uh, three songs on my mixtape. There's a brilliant song called Good Thing by Zed and Kalani, um, which I adore. And it's about having complete confidence in yourself and living your life on your terms and not needing anyone else. Um, other people are a benefit and they can enhance your life but being really solid in yourself I really love that song Um, I also um, Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars yes Um, (laughs) there's an ongoing joke in my family that whenever we have a sort of family party um, this song comes on right at the end it came on um, in my sister's the last song in my sister's wedding party. Um, and all of us, there's I've got three siblings and my parents, we all get on the dance floor and just dance. Like, I love that. It feels like a rom-com moment. <laughs> it's really funny. And it, it goes back to my youngest brother um, when he was about 14 or 15. And I found the video recently um, doing quite a camp dance to it, like proper going wild. And it was such a brilliant moment and then ever since then it's become like a family um like a family song that we sing <laughs> whenever it comes on we just dance and dance and dance which I absolutely adore um and the other one I'm really into at the moment is it's quite quiet and slow it's called take well kind of it's called take me to war by the crane wives um who are sort of folk almost folky uh and it's quite an angry song um But I quite like angry songs. I feel like there's a lot of things to be angry about at the moment in the world. Um, Gosh, that sounds that sounds depressing, Um, but also true. So, yeah, Yeah, I quite like it's quite (laughs) nice to have a good sort of ragey song at the same time. Well, if you came with a warning label, what would it say? Oh, like 100 percent contains filth. I I write uh, erotic romance and I talk a lot about it. I'm, I'm also neurodiverse. I'm part ADHD, part autistic. Um, which means I have special interests and I have made romance and relationships and cake my special interests in terms of like really fascinating how they work together. Um, so yeah, Contains Filth is probably the best warning label for anyone. I love it. <laughs> uh, wonderful. We're here for it. <laughs> Please tell us who is one of your most read authors. Oh, there are so many here. Um, I'm going to mention two, I think. Um, and Disclaimer, I'm actually really good friends with both of them, but they are amazing. So the first one is Talia Hibbert. Um, Talia is what one refers to as a good egg. She is the most excellent of eggs and she's funny and kind. And every time she brings out a book, I message her and I'm like, I wish I'd written your book. God damn it, how are you so talented? (laughs) Uh, And then the other one is Stephanie Simpson, um, who is uh, a disabled erotic romance writer who writes the most intense, beautiful books, um, often completely without the able gaze. And I just get really excited every time she brings a book out. And again, 
really decent human being. I like authors who are decent human beings. It makes, and it's even nicer when I'm like, oh yeah, I'm friends with like Talia and Stephanie. It makes me feel super fancy. You like a good egg, Allie. You like a good egg. <laughs> we love a good egg. <laughs> yeah. We love to hear romance origin stories. Can you share with us how you became a romance reader? So this is a really fun story, especially considering uh, the topic of the um, podcast. Um, I became a romance reader because my Italian grandmother had some romance novels on the shelf in my mum's old bedroom. And one of the books was a three-in-one Christmas special, Mills and Boone, because that's what we refer to Harlequin as over here in the UK, Mills and Boone Christmas Trio. And it had a Presents title by Carol Mortimer. It had an Enchanted title so yeah, presents is still presents. Enchanted is, I imagine, what we call true love today. Only very much closed door. In fact, there are no doors. There are no <laughs> doors. There are no rooms. The bedrooms do not exist. I swear, the romance line has went through so many name changes overseas. Okay. Uh, so that was um, that was by Betty Neal. Neals. Neals. I almost okay. said Betty White, and that is a very different Betty indeed. And then the third one was a Temptation book by Joe. Oh, wow. Um, called uh, One Fine Night, and it changed everything for me. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Everything. Everything changed. I was about nine or ten. I was very precocious, and I read the first two, and they were good, and then I read the third one. I've reread it since. I, I... my mum found me reading it and confiscated it because, let's be honest, it probably wasn't quite appropriate for a nine-year-old to be reading. Um, but I managed to track it down years and years later, around <laughs> the time that Reva came out, uh, which Reva was what they called uh, Kiss before it came became Kiss in the UK, um, because it led on from those Temptation books. Um, and it changed everything for me. It was the first time I'd read a book where I realised it could be something other than just a wife and a mother not because there's anything wrong with that obviously not um but this this the heroine meets the hero they have a night in new orleans they have sex everything goes marvelously as it does um and then she comes back to work and realizes he's a guy who's just taken over her firm um and that he had prompted her for secrets about the firm before he slept with her and she's very upset she has this whole moment and she goes into the bathroom and some of the other girls in the office going with her and they're like, fuck him. Like, screw that guy. We are going to get revenge. And so the next day she calls in sick. And then the next day she goes in and she goes in wearing this red power suit. The book was written early 2000s, but like this power suit sort of imprinted itself indelibly on my mind. And she become and she, it is a, it's a costume that she's wearing. It's like, like a costume that she's put on a mask to give herself confidence. Yeah. And I realized, oh crap, I can do that. Like if I don't quite understand how people like work, I can wear something and make myself feel bigger and more confident and, and teach myself that way. And it was a really interesting, luckily uh, he, yes, he got the secrets, but he stayed after he'd found out the secrets. Like he didn't sleep with her to get the secrets. They had already had the secrets at that point. Yeah. Um, but that book just changed everything for me. And then and then I didn't read romance again, not pro- not proper romance, not category romance or uh, single title until I can tell you the exact date because I have the book right next to me. It was uh, 2011. Oh, wow. Okay. I was at Victoria train station in London and wanted something to read. And I had walked in, had a look, and I saw a book called Cupcakes and Killer Heels on... Um, on a display and there were loads of books that there were lots of other traditional clinchy Mills and Boone Harlequin novels but there were these Reva novels which I'd never really seen before that looked sort of rom-commy and that was how I got into romance when I was uh, I would have been 20 or thereabouts but that's how I got back into romance was discovering the line that went on to become Kiss. I mean, besides this three in one, Kiss was really your yeah. gateway drug into Mills and Boone. It really, really was. Okay. And, yeah, it changed everything. <laughs> I have I have a book cart which is just filled with like Reva and uh, Modern Tempted, because that's what we called Kiss in the UK. Reva and Modern Tempted. Uh, titles they were brilliant okay so now we totally know the introduction to the kiss question (laughs) just a random train visit okay okay so 
you write romance, you edit romance, and you're studying it as part of your PhD before we get too far ahead of ourselves because I'm just so <laughs> excited now that we know this. Okay. <laughs> At what point in your life did you realize the writing, the editing, and then like the higher education part of it, like this path that you're on, when did you realize this was it for you? So it's all bound up in my, in my journey with KISS. <laughs> surprisingly enough. Oh my gosh, Um, this is perfect. I I really enjoyed the books and I started blogging. Um, Mm -hmm. And at some point, Mills and Boone stopped publishing the books as Reva and paused and decided they were going to relaunch them. And Flo Nicol, who was the uh, editor in charge of Reva at the time and is one of the senior editors at Mills and Boone today, uh, basically reached out to me because they really liked my blog um, and said, how would you like to be a part of the relaunch? Of Mills and Bo- of Mills and Boone, Modern Tempted. I love um, Mills and Boone. They are so like they are so like in touch with their readers. I swear, it was, it was <laughs> great. I I did a thing where I got a load of my male friends to pose with different Mills and Boone, Modern Tempted books, and I called them my Mills and Boone boys. Um, <laughs> There was one with one of my friends who wore nothing but he was wearing boxes but had like a towel across him and a Mills and Boom book, like a provocatively fun play. <laughs> um, it was really fun. So I, I started blogging um, and as part of that, I moved, I got asked to run the or be one of the uh, direct managing editors of the Pink Heart Society web scene which at the time, basically all the contributors were Mills and Boone writers. So I came on board with that. And as things developed, I started writing again. And I'd loved writing as a kid, um, like really, really loved it. And then ended up somehow falling into starting to write again. And around the same time, because I was doing a lot of editing for um, Pink Heart Society, um, Barb Han who writes uh, Harlequin Intrigue, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, asked me if I'd like to edit be her be her editor for her indie romances and that was about six seven years ago and I kind of just fell into both of those and then because I was doing that and because I was writing and editing um when I started working for the university that I work for now uh, an opportunity came up to um study you know get get um my fees waived because I worked for the university full-time I could do uh, a degree on the side and I was just like well I want to write about romance obviously like there's nothing I'm more obsessed with at the moment than romance obviously yeah. I want to do that so that's kind of that's kind of how I ended up where I am now it's been a interesting journey um and yeah I I blame it all on kiss all of it <laughs> so before we get into the next question can you tell us like what was the pink heart society the pink heart society was an online webzine uh we posted a an article every day oh, wow. um and then we switched it up and instead did like a monthly webzine. Um, it was really exciting. We started by by only doing Mills and Boone and Harlequin, um, having Mills and Boone and Harlequin authors. And then when I came on board, uh, we expanded that out to all category romance and then to all romance. Because as much as I adore Mills and Boone, Harlequin, Mills and Boone, and I really do, at the time, uh, they did not necessarily have a particularly diverse authorship mm, base. Yeah. And... There were lots of really cool things happening elsewhere that I I wanted to capture. Um, So we started reaching out to other authors um, and getting them to come and and join us and like write, you know, sometimes guest articles, uh, sometimes write for us regularly. Um, It's since closed, but it was run um, when I started. It was me, Trish Wiley and Michelle Stiles. So Trish um, was a kiss author. And also before that, she was a romance and a... um, modern temptation author um and michelle uh wrote viking um historicals for harlequin oh cool yeah so so it was like an everyday everyday blog almost right like an article oh wow that that was a lot and so that's why we switched it to the monthly format but even then that was still a huge amount of work um and i did that from 2014 to beginning of 2019 so I did it for about five years oh my gosh Allie that's a long time <laughs> it was a long time it was really wonderful like I got to work with some incredible people um I got to know different authors um uh Piper Hughley and mm-hmm. uh Corey Alexander and uh oh, sorry, oh so many people work wrote for us um, I mean seriously never underestimate the power of just 
of being a blogger. You never know whose attention you might get. (laughs) And it was really interesting. And it was really good because I was at the time an aspiring author. Uh, So spending a lot of time with other authors is really cool. Now I'm a member of Wordmakers that Tasha Harrison runs. Um, And it's how I met Amanda uh, Cinelli. Um, But like Pippa Roscoe and Amy Andrews, I met via... Well, Amy, I met via my work on Kiss and Modern Tempted. Um, Yeah, just those books did so much for me at the time. I know. They changed the trajectory of so much of your life, Allie. (laughs) That is so cool. Okay, this is getting even cooler than I was expecting. I knew it was going to be cool, but I didn't expect. I I just figured you had been reading Mills and Boone forever, and then boom, Kiss comes out. It's just... I wasn't expecting no, this. No, it really, it really changed a lot of things for me. I mean, I, I dipped in and out, but because that Mills and Boone book had been confiscated by my mum, and when I was growing up, she would check the books I would take out of the library um, all the way up until I was like 14, 15. So I wasn't really allowed sexy books. I was allowed pre-approved books. It's part of the reason why I love romance so much today, because it was like guilty, secret pleasure. I actually had a book smuggling operation at one point where I'd smuggle books into the household. Um, (laughs) My mum isn't isn't (laughs) rude or anything. She just didn't think it was appropriate for me. And she didn't want me getting distracted by romance when I should be working, like studying, which I get. Um, But yeah, but because of that, like, yeah, I got, when I did go back to it, I went back hard. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I have an I have a collection of 1970s uh, Mills and Boone romances with the orig- edition original editions and covers where all of those old covers are oil paintings so it's from around the time 1970 around 1972 which is when Harlequin um bought Mills and Boone and started publishing in the states uh and around that time is when like 19s 19- I'm a massive nerd <laughs> We love nerds here. We love nerdery. Uh, So around 1974 is when they started publishing American authors, because before that they only published British authors. Um, So you get like Janet Daly, um, uh, Violet Winspear, I'm fairly certain was American. You Mm -hmm. get those sort of really early American. But around that time, I've got like a, I've got about 30, like, and all those covers were all like oil paintings. They commissioned an oil painting for every cover. Um, it's why those covers are so evocative. And yes, they are dated. And yes, they are slightly rapey in places. And yes, there are some where I'm like, okay, I really need to give that to charity because <laughs> that does not reflect in any way, shape or form my attitudes. And there's a lot of falling in love with ex-boyfriends, uncles or, or fathers, um, which happens now, but in a very different context. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, fascinating. And I'm going off on complete tangent. No, yeah. you are free right. to go off on tangents yes. here. <laughs> we love tangents. Are you able to talk with us about your PhD studies? Yes. Um, so I'm doing a creative writing PhD. I am writing uh, speculative, so that science fiction, fan- fantasy and paranormal um, romance uh, short stories and I'm analyzing some short stories as part of it so there is a short story called Caroline's Heart by Austin Chant um, there's a short story from the Love Blood and uh, Love Blood and Something collection Brain Freeze uh, by Fiona Zeed and um, there's the In the Bedroom of Medusa by uh, Megan Cubed um, so I'm sort of analysing those. Uh, I'm looking particular. I'm particularly interested in uh, what we call counter publics. So an intimate public is where you have a shared uh, understanding of like a social phenomenon. From a phenomenon. So for romance, like and the intimate public of romance would be Fabio, like clearly cis white het romance, ripped bodices being carried away on the horse, women being rescued. That's sort of like the, what the general public have as a, a view of romance. I'm interested in counter publics which work in tension with that. So for me, that means I'm really interested in queer romances, in kinky romances, uh, and particularly in like independently published or um, indie published and self-published romances and how they work together. And as part of it, I'm uh, pulling tarot cards. I hate planning stories I re- I have an idea I know where it's going to go vaguely but if I try and plan it out it doesn't work for my ADHD brain I get really bored and I'm like well I know what's going to happen so I can't be bothered to write that yeah. um, 
So instead I've come up with like a sneaky way of getting around this for my PhD because you have to have like, you know, they, they if I go into my bio going, oh, I didn't plan this, I'll go, why? My And my argument is I've developed, I'm using tarot cards and I pull them and use that as inspiration. So it's sort of like chance theory. So I'm using like a count, practical counter public. So as opposed to using like the traditional ways of planning a story. Um, I'm going off book, doing my own thing, and being a bit wild. It's very nerdy, but it's it's interesting. Well, okay, can you share with us an elevator pitch for the kind of books you enjoy writing? I like writing books where world building is important, where the characters are soft and kind and funny, um, and where orgasms always happen on page. Always, okay. (laughs) Always happen. Most of the time, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think that could... I I write sort of erotic romance short stories and I write um, sort of sexy, high-heat paranormal romances. And then I do actually have a second pen name. This is a a categorically romance exclusive. I have a second pen name called Ellie Rose who writes very, very high-heat, kinky stuff. Um, so yeah, you heard, that it is. You, you heard it here, folks. Yes, <laughs> write down that name, Ellie Rose. <laughs> so yeah, so those are the kinds of things. But I'm interested in writing characters who are kind and writing hope. Um, I write queer characters, and I have plans next year to write a poly series where um, they the, the poly romance is not a thruple. Instead, it's a mini series, and each book focuses on a different grouping within the polycule. So you'll have more than one character. You'll have characters who'll turn up as the main character in more than one book in different pairings. But that is also a logistical nightmare. So I am, I am planning, I am planning that one out a little bit at least. I love that. Glad to hear that that's, that's getting some rep in, um, in more than just the, the one relationship structure that's, that's most popular. Yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting to work on. Well, for anyone who may be new to your bibliography, which book of yours would you recommend that they start with? Um, I'm going to recommend two because it depends on which strand you would prefer to go down. So if you're interested in like the high heat erotic romance, um, my Softest Kingsters collection is really good because they're short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called The Softest Kingsters because it's about the softness in life that comes alongside kink. Um, but if you want something a bit meatier and longer to get your teeth into, then I'd recommend Forged in Flames, which has a a 2,000-year-old hero, a blacksmith heroine who accidentally awakens an ancient goddess and is granted dragon-shifting abilities. Love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one is, one is basically just sex. Uh, that's the softest kinksters side. And my short stories. And then the other side is more about the world building and the magic. And they're all based on like local myths and legends as well, which is kind of cool. Okay. Where did this like love of paranormal and myth, like where did all of that come from? Because you weren't reading romance, you discovered Kiss. How did we get these books from you? See, I I like, I I always loved fantasy. Um, Mm -hmm. I was a big Tamora Pierce fan growing up. Um, And I love I'm going to be honest, I loved Twilight as a kid. Do I love it now? No, not at all. But as a kid, it was exciting. It, it does mean that I struggle with vampires a little bit because they were just so everywhere for a yeah. long time. <laughs> but um, I really, really enjoyed Debbie Herbert, wrote a load of uh, mermaid uh, romances for Nocturne, back when Nocturne was a thing. Um, and I really loved those. And once I discovered there was a marriage of like magic and romance, I was in. <laughs> literally throw myself right throw sign myself me up i'm books. there yes <laughs> yeah out of my bookcases i have almost an entire bookcase that is just contemporary romance and then i have another con- uh, bookcase which is fantasy slash paranormal slash science fiction romance mm-hmm. like i went in hard <laughs> <laughs> Well, we we touched a little bit about you, you your editing services. Can you talk about what you currently are providing as an editor, service wise? Yeah, no, definitely. I um I offer developmental edits, 
uh, line edits and uh, series Bible, Bible creation. Uh, so mm. developmental edits are sort of where I read a book at its earlier stages and give feedback on like the overarching structure. So that is where I'll read through it and give you a cover letter and talk about, oh, this is really good, but I think you need to think about restructuring some of the romance aspect of the romance arc here, or let's think about the characterization of your hero or you know heroine or whatever. Um, line edits are where I get into the nitty gritty and you get like comments on spelling, punctuation, grammar, as well as those overarching um, big themes. And then series Bible is where I read through the book and I create like a, a document that pulls together all the different aspects of the book so that when you're like, oh, how tall is that person? You don't have to go back and look through it yourself. You literally go to the Bible and it's all there for you. Um, I love it. I'm really excited. I've just... Um, I worked on some really exciting projects. I uh, Stoneheart by Katie Robert, the prequel to the uh, Dark Olympus series. I edited that. Um, I've just finished. Uh, Jackie Lau has just had a. Uh, I think it's called not kind, not your kind of Valentine or not your Valentine. Mm, um, yeah, yeah, which I edited. That that was my first time working with Kobo, which was very exciting. Who um, else? Alex Voynov and. I've done some work for Italia as well at various points. Um, it's I love editing. There's something about someone sending you work and then working with someone. I'm very much, I'm not a prescriptive editor. I'm like, you must change this thing. Um, I mean, there are some things where I'm like, well, your spelling is wrong here. I would recommend mm. you change it. <laughs> uh, but there's something about working with someone on a project. Um, I never see my job as changing, changing it. I see it as making sure the author's voice can be heard when you write like you're you know everything about the book it's all in your head and sometimes you forget that you need some more of that on the page or you don't need to put all that information on the page even though you have it all it's about making sure that the author's voice shines the best it can do um so that it's yeah so that it reaches the readers in the way that you're trying to get there that's kind of what I see uh, editing jobs as so yeah I think that makes sense yeah <laughs> <laughs> it does thank you so much for that well we've talked Harlequin Kiss can you for anyone that has yet to read a Harlequin Kiss title how would you describe the line to them um, I heard someone describe it once as all the heroes in um, Harlequin Kiss as being the presents heroes before the before the traumatizing thing happened to them yeah, you know how presents heroes are like really strong and tall and brooding because something terrible has happened to them yes. in their past. Yes. Yeah. Lots so, of daddy issues there. A lot yeah, of daddy issues. <laughs> exactly. So kiss heroes are kind of the heroes before they have the traumatizing incident. They're what happened if they, you know, if they were emotionally stable, um, which it always amuses That is me. so on point. It's not even funny. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Um, but also the heroines are really funny. They're really strong. Uh, I really love the fact that they have their own careers. Um, they're artists and writers and businesswomen. Um, they have jobs and they have their own lives. And it's, um, yeah, it's also quite rom-commy in the way that you're, we're seeing quite a lot of rom-coms in single title at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a few of these authors have gone on to write single title. Uh, Stephanie London has been writing, uh, like, the Dash and... Where's Prada? Where's Prada, yeah. yeah. She started off as a Kiss author. Uh, Heidi Rice has written some rom-coms. Fiona Hunter, who... Um, not Fiona. Fiona... Was that Hunter? Uh, I can't... Harper. She now writes as Fiona Lucas. Uh, write single titles also started there got, and Amy of course our beloved Amy Andrews yes um, and Joss Wood who was in Desire but has moved over to Presents now mm-hmm. um, and for so many years after the line closed these authors became autobuys for me like I read everything they wrote yeah, yeah. it was yeah so was it I mean you picked up the first one kind of on a whim at the train station you needed something to read how quickly into it how many books into it were you like okay I'm really into this was it that first one was it like it was the first one I I mean as someone who's neurodiverse uh I developed special interests quite quickly and I became vaguely obsessed with these books like there is a level of detail at one point I created an on I don't know where it is now I created an online map where I mapped out like a on the world where all of the different books took place 
Um, yeah. I'm quite special. Uh, yeah, no, like I, I really, I read, it was Cupcake and he- Killer Heels by Heidi Rice. And I read it and was like, oh, this, this is, this is what I've been looking for. And it, it kind of fed into, in like the early 2000s, mid 2000s, there were the spate of sort of romance rom com books. And I think there were some in the States, but also in the UK, we had our own books that don't quite tra- translate over to the States very well, but sort of along the lines of Jennifer Cruzy. Um, and these books filled that hole like that. Oh, that, that kind of chick, they were going for, ch- they were going for chick lit. That's what they were going for. Um, but they hit the markets at round about the wrong time. So when Reva came out uh, in sort of 2011, the chiclet market was dying down. So they weren't doing very well. Um, and then they rebranded as Modern Tempted, which worked well in the UK. But the Kiss line in the States never really took off. Um, before they were published as Kiss, they were published as Harlequin Presents Extra. Mm. And when they were published as oh. Harlequin Presents Extra... They actually sold a hell of a lot more than they did when they were a kiss. Because people just picked them up because they were presents. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and mm. so you had the you had the sort of presents branding, um, but you had the lighter, more fun um, sort of storylines without the intense, uh, emotionally damaged hero. As it was. And there are a couple of emotionally damaged heroes, but for the most part, they're not you know brooding, silent dickheads. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> I say that I love a presents hero if written well, but into the 2000s, you had a lot of uh, alpha holes, I believe is the term. Yeah. Um, it feels like sometimes, like when you look throughout, when you look throughout history, it feels like sometimes Harlequin, Mills, and Boone has had these brilliant line ideas that came at the wrong time. <laughs> I mean, this line, this line would work perfectly now. That's this what Aaron and I have talked about. Perfectly now. <laughs> And actually, I think some of the changes that they're doing, because they're bringing out a new line. It um, feels very kishish, right? <laughs> very much so, which is quite exciting. I, yeah, I have a, I have a proposal lined up that I might send them. Um, but, Please do. <laughs> but it, it does feel very kiss. And I think Desire has been starting to feel a little bit more kiss, sort of kiss adjacent. Oh, Yeah. Which has been really exciting. Like I, I loved these books, and but when this line closed, and when Super Romance closed, because that was the other one I absolutely adored, um, I drifted away from Harlequin for a bit. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted Sex on Page, so at the time, Romance or True Love wasn't working for me. Um, Presents Heroes were always that little bit too intense. Like it's not a light read reading a Presents. They're very intense. They which are is perfect. Yeah. That's exactly what they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But Kiss is not intense in the same kind of way um and that's why i ended up moving over to single titles and sort of got got vaguely obsessed with those um i miss this line like the writers who wrote there are were so talented um genuinely cannot recommend this line and they were doing interesting exciting things like um there's uh nikki logan's his until midnight um takes place i think over four years and it's one they the hero and the heroine have one night together every four years, uh, where they go, they meet in I think it's Hong Kong, and they have like this really fancy dinner. They don't sleep together. They they don't they never even kiss. They just have this dinner together once every once a year because um, she's married to his best friend. And there's no cheating. There's no nothing. And then you discover the book opens on the fourth year, the night of the fourth year, and and everything has changed because she's no longer with her her ex. Okay. And it was really exciting seeing something that played with uh, time in a way that I'd never seen a category romance do before. A bit like um, Pippa Roscoe has, I think it was her first book, where the entire book takes place over 24 hours. Um, Stuff like that's really exciting. Um, Amy Andrews has a book called Driving Her Crazy, where the heroine uh, is uh, is recovering from an eating disorder. and. Um, Joss Wood has the last guy she, she could call, which has okay spoilers, uh, but the ending of that book. Uh, she a she's an art, sort of art dealer, collects things, travels all over the world. She comes home, uh, falls in love with her best friend's brother, kind of thing, um, and he has big abandonment issues. And at the end of the book, what happens is he she doesn't give up her job and stay home. He is very rich and gives her a credit card and basically goes i cannot tie you down i know what you want to do so go do the thing you love travel all over the world just come home to me oh 
Yes, that feels very, very Joss Wood. <laughs> I know, right? But it just felt exciting. And I saw neurodiverse characters. Amy wrote um, uh, wrote one, I think, girly slightly, uh, or most likely. And then... Um, oh, girl most likely to Yes, girl most likely in the wedding yes. quartet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, love that book. And she also wrote... Um, I think it's the hero who has uh, a prosthetic limb in one of the books as well. Um, Just really exciting, really different. It didn't feel like just another book. It (laughs) felt like they were doing something new and exciting. And that's why I'm so, I mean, I'm so glad they released them when they did, because otherwise I would not be where I am. I would not be where I am today. Mm -hmm. Um, But I kind of wish they released them now because they do so well now. They do so well. Oh, yeah. That's the conversation we had. Like I asked Aaron because when we 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 read Kiss in January, this is March, um, and I was like, you know, I had at that point only read like one or two, and he read one, and it was his first. And I was like, do you feel like it was ahead of its time? And he's like, absolutely. I feel like these would do great now. And I'm like, I do too. So frustrating because we and they were loved. Like the people who love them absolutely love them. Um, Do you think, okay, so what age demographic did you feel like it was targeting? 20 to 30 somethings. Okay, so here's my theory. And I want to get your perspective because obviously I'm assuming it may be the same or different over there. Yeah. Here in the States, I feel like our, Aaron, please jump in, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but the age demographic like that is like the the classic, as Aaron calls it, the dominant like readership of category tends to be... They're older, right? Like it's if I go to older. the Walmart and I'm, I chat with a woman in, in the, the book section and we're both getting Harlequins, she tends to, they tend to be like mid sixties, right? Like they're older. It was, I feel it was Kiss an attempt to bring in a younger audience, but I think categories so. still had that dominant readership that was already too old for the 20 something books and like they weren't buying it. So I very much... I loved these books, but the reason I picked it up was because the cover of this did not look like a Mills and Boone cover. Okay. Um, but also in the UK, it's quite, I mean, now obviously illustrated covers are all the rage, but we've had illustrated covers in the UK for years because you didn't get clinch covers. Even like Julia Quinn books, like the Bridgerton series, they would either be illustrated covers or it would be like a mirror with a pair of gloves on the cover. Mm-hmm. Like the only books that had clinches were Mills and Boone books. The only ones, like the only ones, or at least the ones that I remember growing up. So there was a stigma with the series and they did a lot of work on challenging that. Um, do you remember the Chatsfield project? No. Yeah. Uh, so the Chatsfield was a project they did with Presents, which must have been a nightmare to coordinate. But they basically <laughs> had, they basically set up this uh, fake hotel called the Chatsfield Hotel. So Chatsfield, it must have been. Um, I'm checking it out as, as, as I speak. Um, and they, they had two series set in the Chatsfield Hotel. Um, yeah, it was Chatsfield. Um, two present series. And the idea was that you had um, different events happening at the hotel. It was all very, it was really funny and it was really clever. Like everything kind of all linked in together. All of these books were uh, sort of tied in together. Um, Like you would find references to like earlier books in later books because all of the romances happened at the same, in the same place. Um, I'm just looking at the chats for now. Yeah, it was it was a big deal and they did a big thing that they were organizing with it. And I, I was involved in some of that a little bit. Like I did an online, like a blog post, uh, set at a party, um, that had been held at the Chatsfield. And then that party got referenced in some of the books and it was all, it was really exciting being a part of it. They must've released, I know, 16, 20 books. Um, and that was part of their way of like engaging with it. But there have been. We also don't want to entirely criti- criticize Mills and Boone in case in case they decide they don't want to hire me because of it. Um, <laughs> but also, like you know, I don't always think that the branding decisions they've made have worked. Okay. Um, yeah. Like in the UK, like you have very clear branding in the states, but in the UK they redid the branding and they didn't get they didn't get a marketing company that had any experience in publishing to do it. Okay. And so it just didn't, I mean, they've, they've redone a lot of the covers now, but like, for example, the, um, the desire covers, which was so gorgeous at the time, uh, were white and black 
had a like a red box and then just black like a slither of a black and white picture mm-hmm. and yet and this was the time when like Reese Withers uh, Reese Witherspoon Reese Ryan's books were starting to be published and you had these gorgeous covers um and they stopped being sell sold so much in supermarkets like when I was at uni they would be you could pick them up in Tesco's which is our kind of Walmart um and then they stopped being sold in Walmart because they weren't selling. Um, I, I'm really excited about the new line that they're talking about. It sounds really good. I know quite a few of the authors who have been signed to it and I love their work. I'm really excited to see what happens with it um, because I love category romance. I think it is a real skill to be able to write a, no- a, a novel where you engage and you're fully invested in the characters in only 50,000 words. Oh, yeah. The intensity of it is so difficult to get right without without completely going overblown and killing it completely. Um, so I've gone completely off topic, but I always no, do. No, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely yeah. a game changer when you get used to, you know, reading a 50, 60,000 page book and you pick up like a big 400 plus page romance and you're like, this does not, we don't need so many pages. <laughs> Yeah, it mean it means I am. I love single title romance, but I get frustrated if there's stuff in there that I feel is not necessary. Right. Yeah. Because everything in a in a category romance has to be necessary. You only have fifty thousand words, so everything matters. And I like having that intensity in single title. And I think there are some authors who do it amazingly. Um, most of the authors I read, obviously, obviously. Um, but yeah, no, I think there are some really and. I think you're right. Uh, I I mean, we're talking, some of these books are out over 10 years ago now. So who knows, maybe some of the rights will get reverted and we'll get to see them in a new fresh format. That would be really cool. Um, but I have them all anyway. I have all of them on ebook and I have, I think, nearly a hundred of them in paper. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, it's hard to, you know, I haven't read a kiss yet that I didn't like. Like I read um, two Allie Blakes in September, uh, in January, September. What am I thinking? And oh, which, I mean, ones did, which ones did you read? Did you read the dance off? I didn't read the dance off. I read, oh my gosh, they, I actually read the second book first and she's like, oh, well, let me send you the first one because you have to read it. And I'm like, oh gosh, I thought this was the first one. Um, the <laughs> secret wedding dress and faking it to making it. Yes. Oh, and they were early ones as well. They were some of the earlier um, when Kiss was rebranded, they were some of the earliest ones. Oh, she's great. She writes the yeah, loveliest it, It's books. like, it's hard to read them. Like, cause I haven't read one that I don't like. Right. And it's like, you just have that, that feeling that like, if these were coming out now, people would just be, people would love them. I mean, they, that they, they tackle, you know, the first one that I read, I've said it before, like it tackled something that I don't see in romance. Like I thought was a no go in romance. Cause I had never seen it. And I'm like, this book came out in 2014. I, yeah. it, it's just kind of sad. And like the, to think that like they weren't selling, it just makes me really question was it like the age thing or was it were they not being promoted the way that they should have been you know like but then I also think like sometimes part of the fact that it's great is the fact that it's gone (laughs) yeah I mean it was it was such a great line and like one of my favorites is there's um the Brannigan siblings trilogy by Trish Wiley which is uh Inconvenient Laws of Attraction, New York's Finest Rebel, and one of my favourites, Her Man in Manhattan. And just brilliant and fresh and exciting. And I think that's the thing. It was doing new things that we weren't expecting at the time. And I don't think they marketed it it correctly. I think having it as Modern Temptation in the UK made a lot of sense. Modern Tempted in the UK made a lot of sense because they looked like the covers look like uh, modern covers, which are the UK versions of Presents. They looked exactly like those covers, just with a tempted bit at the at the side. Uh, very much like Harlequin Presents Extra. And I think if they kept them as Harlequin Presents Extra, they would have continued to sell. But they the problem with um, the problem with con- with rom coms and chick lit is that you want shelf life with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's word of mouth. You build up word of mouth, and the shelf life of category romance is so short that books that are there one one month will be gone the next so and it was at a time when I mean it was at the ebook during the ebook boom but not all of them like I didn't buy them in ebook until about 2014 2015 that's when I started buying them in ebook um because they weren't always available beforehand so it's very I'm getting all nostalgic now I'm like oh 
I love those books so much. <laughs> um, there are some amazing ones as well, and really funny, really clever, interesting. Which one did you read, Aaron? Uh, let's see. So I read, let me just make sure I got the author right here. It was called, just a moment. It was Mr. Not Quite Perfect by Jessica Hart. Yes, and that's the one that's in first pair. Is that the one in first? No, Hitched is in first person. I really like Mr. Not Quite Perfect because I really loved the ending of it. Yeah, it, it was really good. It, it took a whole new kind of spin on like the fake dating because it's yeah. like they weren't fake dating, but she was like coaching him in fake dating. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It's really cute. I really like that one. Yeah. And then, of course, you had Shoma Narayanan uh, published with them. So... You, I mean, you guys are you guys are the Harlequin experts. So you probably know already, but um, uh, Mills and Boone India have their own publishing company where they publish Indian authors. Um, but they are published in India. They don't get a global release. We, I, me- I did not know that. I did not know that either. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes they also don't publish in English. Um, they publish in different dialects. Uh, but yeah, Mills and Boone India has is an. In- entirely different empire of it that is an interesting word to use in that particular context whoops um but i'd also- love to know that like there are romances being published in india though category romances in in india that is awesome <laughs> i mean and they are written by indian authors by who are indian very authors. very talented and shomanari uh narayanan was uh one of the, i think she was the first author indian author uh Muslim indian author to be published globally Wow. And she had three or four books with uh, Modern Tempted. And they don't necessarily quite exactly fit with the, the feel of the line because they're written for a different audience and you can feel that. But they do feel modern and exciting. And that was really cool. And it, I liked the, have the chance to have a see, like a view into this whole other branch of Mills and, Harlequin, Mills and Boone that we don't get to see. I know. Yeah, they publish their own books. They, tr- you know, they translate some of the global books into Indian um, or Gujarati and some of the other languages. But they don't. Very rarely are they publish globally. Do we get the Indian authors published globally? I think that's a really interesting thing to note. It's a as far as I think it's a. It was definitely around 2013, 2014. It was still a huge market over there. Wow. Um, yeah. It sounds like, like Kiss was a really smart line. Like, I don't know who the editors were behind the scenes, but like, it really seemed to be doing some heavy lifting way before I think it's time maybe. Yeah, it was, it was really exciting. Um, It felt quite global. It was pretty white. Uh, I mean, Nina Milne uh, is South Asian British uh, who wrote for them. And, um, and Shoma Narayanan, obviously. But I think apart from that, they were all white authors. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were excellent authors. But it, yeah, it would have been... It wasn't a diverse group of, <laughs> you know, authors. I mean, you, you had authors from South Africa, mm-hmm. from Australia and New Zealand, from and from the UK, and some American authors as well. Um, See, so you, you across three, four continents, technically, but primarily white romance, mm-hmm. um, which wrong with white romance but it would have been it would have been nice to see others and um i remember avril tremaine the first one she wrote which is called here comes the bridesmaid um and it's about the bride a bridesmaid and best man falling in love obviously um the wedding the wedding that uh they were preparing for is a gay wedding so you have a gay wedding on page um which i really liked and avril is a absolute sweetheart um and it's interesting because I became friends with a lot of these authors over the years. Um, so I know I'm not entirely uh, objective when it comes to this. I'm not objective when it comes to the series. Yeah. I really, really love the series. Um, well, maybe in a way, the new line is like going to be our 2024 kiss. Yeah, we know for sure it's going to be way more diverse. You know, inclusion is going to be just insane. It's going to be amazing. Um, so we'll see. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe it's well, going mean, to be the rebirth. Amazing authors have been signed. Yeah, um, a good friend of mine. Uh, I'm trying to remember what her actual name is. Carmen Lee. I know. I know what her name is, but like, <laughs> which is the the yeah. uh, Carmen Lee and Mika James as yes. well. Uh, I think both of those are black sapphic romances, which I am so excited for. Like they're both phenomenal writers who 
I mean, getting to see sapphic romance in, I get quite emotional about it. Um, I'm queer, I'm bisexual. I never thought I would get to see, I never thought I would get to see uh, queer romances in mainstream Harlequin lines ever. I was delighted with Karina Adores and some of those books are phenomenal, but I never thought I'd actually get to see. And so to know that two years next year, we're going to see lesbian romances published by Mills and Boone. Yes. Yes. It, it means a lot to me. And I, I uh, John Jacobson, um, who is one of the editors over at, over there at the moment, they have done a lot. They did a lot of work in Karina. Um, I loved a lot of the books that they edited and, some of the books that they're uh, signing now, them and I think Erica sang as well. I'm so excited to see what's happening next and where it's going to go next. Same. It's... Same. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be some good stuff. Kiss 2.0. <laughs> right. I mean, we haven't gotten a name yet, but I just feel like, you know what? Just just let's call it Kiss 2.0. <laughs> Screw it. Kissed again. <laughs> Kissed again, right? Kissed again. That's so good. Oh, it's our second chance romance. It is. it is. It is. Well, Allie, are you working on anything that you can tell us about? Yeah, so... I'm also working on a couple of things I can't tell you about, uh, but I am working on a couple of things. I have um, uh, a sequel to Value and Visions. Uh, the marriage is called Married by Moonlight, uh, which is the two heroines from Value and Visions getting hand, uh, married and handfasted in the ceremony. Uh, but it also introduces uh, the, the Rena's three cousins. Um, who will be the heroines of my next paranormal series, the first of which comes out at the end of August. Uh, it's called Blue Moon Magic. And in that, each sister, um, in basically Diana Triformis, the triple goddess version of Diana. So Diana of the Hunt, uh, Luna of the Moon, and Hecate of the Crossroads. Um, each, each of them pick a different sister. And like, hi, we're going to interfere in your lives. Um, <laughs> And so it's going to be a, a sapphic trilogy, um, which I'm really excited about. I have some more Softest Kinksters short stories lined up, which I'm quite excited about. Um, my Himbo Librarian uh, shorts, which are really popular, I'm working on a couple more, and they are going to be released as their own little collection, the Himbo Librarian collection, probably early 2024. Uh, and then I have some category-length romances that I am planning out at the moment. We'll see where that takes me. Possibly nowhere, but you know. Oh, we're fun. hoping queer, somewhere. <laughs> we are queer hoping. romances and cooperative bars, and possibly even a poly romance thrown in there for good luck. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So yeah, writing lots and lots of writing, and then Ellie Ellie Rose is obviously writing filthy stuff with um, uh, trigger warning for Daddy Doms. Daddy Doms. Um, <laughs> that's why I have a separate pet name for this. <laughs> Uh, but that that's really fun, and that's um, that's a series called Stuffy Hospital. And everyone who works, um, at, at least one of the main characters in each book, uh, works at this place that repair old bears and cuddly toys. It's super cute. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> so yes, what exciting oh. stuff to look forward to. Well, Allie, where can everyone keep up with you online? Um, I'm available on Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram, and sometimes on Facebook um, as Ali Williams or at CL Aficionado, um, which Chicklet Exploits of a Chicklet Aficionado was the name of my very first blog that I had when I was first talking about Kiss. And I kept the, I've kept the tag CL Aficionado ever since then. So I that's, love that. Yeah. <laughs> so that is my, um, that's, yeah, you can find me under that. I have a website, alliwilliams.org, um, and you can find me as Ellie Rose on Facebook as well. <laughs>